Uh, we are in our, our last kind of piece of our first section of our More Than a Feeling. Uh, our culture is in what scholars and people are telling us is a post-truth world, uh, where truth is relative. If I don't feel like a truth is a truth, then it is not a truth. Uh, and that is just um, mind-blowing, I think, to some of us who know that truth is truth. The same thing has been kind of making its way into our churches as well, that, that the truth that we believe, the things that we believe as to be truth, based out of this book, which we know as truth, sometimes can be taken, I, I don't know if I want to believe that. I don't feel like that is right. And so we have this, this, this thing coming into the church and saying, I don't know if that's correct because I don't feel like that's right. I don't feel like that should be right. And so it's not right. So we've taken this series, the last eight weeks, including today, and talked through what we believe, why we believe it, and, and why it's important. Why it's important to know what we believe and why we believe it. Why it's important to know what we believe about God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit. What do we believe about the Trinity? We believe that God is the, the Father, the holy, just creator of all things. The God who is all-knowing. He knows everything about you. And he knows everything you will do, everything you have done. And there's nothing you can do that can make him love you more or less than he does right now in this moment. This is our God, our creator, our just, holy God. Jesus was God, still God, became human humbled himself to death on a cross so that at one day every knee would bow and every tongue would confess that he is Lord. This is Jesus. Jesus is our Savior. Jesus bridges the gap between us and a holy God, an unholy people and a holy God. The Holy Spirit empowers each and every one of us. Scripture tells us that we receive a spirit of power. It empowers us to, to walk in the way that Jesus would have us to walk, to, to do the things that God would have us to do. We are empowered by a Holy Spirit. Our lives should look different with the Holy Spirit. What do we believe about the church? What do we believe about the Bible? What do we believe about us as disciples, us as believers? Last week we talked about what do we believe about faith? What role does faith play in our lives? What even is faith? Here's what we came down to last week, if you, and, and this is it. We can be restored to God only through faith in Jesus. You and I can be restored to God, which is the gospel. Amen. We can be restored to God only through faith in Jesus Christ. This is where we've been so far. This week, I kind of saved it for last, because this week is kind of the week that feelings get in the way most often. This week is a hard week is, is, is because this is the week that most people have these questions. They feel uncomfortable with the truth that we find in the gospel. We're going to talk about eternity today. What do we believe about eternity? What does Scripture say about eternity? What does Scripture say about heaven and hell? What does Scripture say about all of this stuff? Because these are the questions that we get. I know I don't just get them. I know you get them from your non-Christian friends as well. How could a good, loving God punish people? How could a good, loving God send people to hell? The two don't necessarily add up for people. They don't necessarily make sense. Why would a loving God condemn people to eternal punishment? There was, there was one person I read recently. She said, I would like to think that I'm acceptable to God if I have good intentions, have a will to be good, if I have a will to love, if I try hard to be a better person. See, people, people have no issues with a loving, forgiving God. 
But as soon as you have to, to flip the coin a little bit and go to this God who, who in reality there is a place where people who don't turn to him end up. There's a place of punishment. There's a place of, you know, people call it wrath. There's this place of eternal separation from God that no one likes to talk about. It's, it's uncomfortable. So we, we, in our feelings, we think, absolutely, I truly believe in a loving, holy God. And if God, God is, and I fully believe this too, God is big enough and strong enough and powerful enough where I believe that God could just snap his fingers and every knee would bow and every tongue would confess and every, everyone would know that Jesus Christ is Lord. Absolutely, that could happen. But we have this thing called free will. And if we, there is no better argument for free will than the reality of heaven and hell. Because it's up to you and it's up to me. Here's the, here's the truth I want to just, just throw out there today. Our eternal destiny hinges on our response to Jesus. Our eternal destiny hinges on our response to Jesus. I think the scripture is clear that this is true. Here's, here's what we believe about eternity. We believe that hell is an awful reality for those who turn from Jesus. Hell is an awful reality for those who turn from Jesus. If you turn with me to 2 Thessalonians, I'm going to go through a lot of scripture this morning. Uh, I made sure to write down all the page numbers so you can follow me if you're in your pew Bibles. Second uh, Thessalonians chapter 1. Uh, start, we're going to read a lot of it, but the focus is on 8 and 9 here. If you're reading in our pew Bibles, it's on page 1021. Second uh, Thessalonians chapter 1. We're going to start at verse 3. We always ought to thank you, thank God for you, brothers and sisters, and rightly so, because your faith is growing more and more, and the love all of you have for one another is increasing. Therefore, among God's churches, we boast about your perseverance and faith in all the persecutions and trials you are enduring. All this is evidence that God's judgment is right, and as a result, you will be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you are suffering. God is just. He will pay back trouble to those who trouble you and give relief to you who are troubled and to us as well. This will happen when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven in blazing fire with his powerful angels. He will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of God. Presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. On the day he comes to be glorified in his holy place and his holy people and to be marveled at among all those who have believed. This includes you, because you believed our testimony to you. I want to just focus this morning on these, on these two verses for a second. Verse 8 and 9. He will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and, on, and from the glory of his might. I mean, that is pretty straightforward there. And a lot of people who have issues with, with this whole thing point to that, that whole idea of a wrathful God that is just in the Old Testament. Well, this is, 
This is not Old Testament. This is very New Testament. And not only is it in the New Testament, Jesus talks a lot about this reality. I'll give you a couple this morning if you want to turn there. Matthew chapter 10, uh, verse 28. It's on page 836 in our pew Bibles if you want to go there. Matthew chapter 10, starting at verse 28. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Let's go to, to another version, or not another version, but another gospel. Jesus, again, in Mark chapter 9. Uh, Mark chapter 9, starting at verse 43. If your hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life maimed than with two hands and go to go than with two hands to go to hell where the fire never goes out. And if your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life crippled than for you to enter life. <laughs> sorry. It is better for you to enter life crippled than to have two feet and to be thrown into hell. And if your eye causes you to stumble, pluck it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into hell, where the worms that eat them do not die, and the fire is not quenched. Again, this is Jesus. Again, this is not a comfortable thing for us to talk about, but this is something that we believe. This is Jesus talking to us about the reality of what happens when we turn from God. Tim Keller said this, If Jesus, the Lord of love and author of grace, spoke about hell more often and in a more blood-curdling manner than anyone else, it must be a crucial truth. Just let that sit for a second. If Jesus the Lord of love and the author of grace spoke about hell more often and in a more blood-curdling manner than anyone else. It must be a crucial truth. Well, Pastor Chris, I mean, I just don't know about all this language stuff. I mean, are we supposed to take it literally? Is it just symbolic? Here's my question for you if you're asking that question. Does it matter? I mean, symbols, the whole point of a symbol is to tell us something that we can't have words to describe. So if the words that we're using to describe this are just symbolic, then isn't that somehow worse? I mean, think about this. This is, this is a very real thing that we need to be aware of. Scripture, Jesus, the New Testament, makes it super clear to us that hell is a very real destination. It is something that happens when people turn from Jesus. Here's what we know. Hell is, is a natural outcome of our rebellion against God and our separation from Him. Let me say that again. Hell is a natural outcome of our rebellion against God and our separation from Him. Sin keeps us from an eternal life with God. We, we talked about this when we talked about God, when we talked about Jesus. There is a holy God and a people of God who are not holy. Jesus bridges this gap. We can be restored to God only through faith in Jesus Christ. This is the reality. Sin keeps us from God is holy. We are not. Our, our eternal destiny hinges on our response to Jesus. 
the one who came to be the bridge, the one who came to stand in the middle and say, look, I, I, I will take the sins of the world upon myself. I will do this. I, if you trust in Jesus, you will have this. There, C.S. Lewis says there are two kinds of people. <clears throat> there are those people who say to God, thy will be done. And there are people to whom God says, thy will be done. Hell is God leaving man alone. <clears throat> In our <clears throat> excuse me. Hell is God leaving man alone in our self-chosen rebellion against him. It is a place where the presence of God will not be found. Just, just let this soak. This is what Scripture says. <clears throat> this is what Scripture says about hell. What about the flip side? What does it say about heaven? Well, we, we believe and we read in Scripture that heaven is a glorious reality for those who trust in Jesus. If you go with me to Philippians chapter 3, or, uh, it's on page 1013 in your Bibles, if you're in your pew Bibles, Philippians chapter 3, starting at verse 18. <clears throat> For as I have often told you before and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Now, this, this picture of heaven, even in Philippians chapter 3, is a picture of restoration. It's a picture of reconciliation. It's a picture of once again being in a perfect relationship with God. There's a passage in Revelation chapter 21, and page 1076, if you're in your pew Bibles. Revelation chapter 21, verse 3. Here's what it says. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. Now, this is shades to Genesis chapters 1 and 2, right? We go from beginning to the very end of the book. This is the last chapter. Sorry, second to last chapter of Revelation here. We go from the beginning of Genesis where God creates man. Adam and Eve are in the garden. And it says that God walked with them in the cool of the day in the garden. Powerful. God was physically with Adam and Eve in the garden, walking with them. This relationship was an intimate relationship with them. And here we find in Revelation chapter 21, at the very end, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people again. He will dwell with them. He will be their God. This is, this is the, the complete restoration of what was at the beginning. When we talked about the Bible, we talked about how this is the Word of God. The, the, this is you know, the story of us, the story of a people who, in the first two chapters, were, were in, a, in a perfect relationship with God. Third chapter comes, sin comes along. Sixth chapter comes, God regrets making humans. Genesis 6, verse 6. The rest of the book is about God calling His people back to Himself, calling them to restoration, 
calling them to once again be in this relationship that we find in Genesis chapters 1 and 2. And what do we read in the end of the book? We have this vision from John. He's saying, look, the dwelling place of God is once again with his people. Everything is restored. Everything is as it should be. We will all be in the presence of God. This is heaven. This is heaven. If hell is the absence of the presence of God, hell is a place where the presence of God is not. Heaven is a place where we will just be surrounded by the presence of God. Think about how beautiful this will be. And this is, this is such an amazing image. It's a place where God's people will, will just recognize each other and love each other as family, worshiping a father. I mean, you turn back to, to Revelation chapter 7, and here's, here's another image of heaven. Revelation chapter 7, verse 9. After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count. From every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, they were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands, and they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. I saw a multitude of people that no one could count, and everyone was worshiping. Everyone was waving palm branches. Have you heard that before? As Jesus comes into the city on Palm Sunday and they throw the palm branches on the ground and say, Hosanna to the Son of David. Hosanna to the Son of God. Salvation comes in no other name than Jesus Christ. This is a picture of heaven. And this image is, is amazing. And this dichotomy is, is amazing. But here's the thing. If you can't believe in one without believing in the other. There's a, our, our feelings. This is where our feelings tend to, to get in the way. Our feelings tend to shape our theology in this area. Because it doesn't feel right that people would end up over here in a place where the presence of God is not. While other people are over here enjoying and worshiping and being together in the presence of God. It doesn't feel good there's just kind of, there's a lump right here. And here's, here's what I truly believe. I think that is a God-given lump. Because there should be an urgency. Every single person that we meet, their eternal destiny hinges on their response to Jesus. Every single person you meet, the person you talk to in the grocery store line. The person you talk to at work, across the desk. Even that telemarketer that calls you at 7 o'clock right in the middle of dinner. 
There's an urgency here. It is Jesus' goal, as we read in Philippians chapter 2, that every knee, would tongue, every knee would bow and every tongue would confess. So it makes it uncomfortable, right, when, we, when it feels like people are over here. But here's the thing. Our eternal destiny hinges on our response to Jesus. You can either turn from Jesus or turn to Jesus. You can live without Christ now and die without Christ forever. Or you can live with Christ now and live with Christ forever. Amen. These are the choices. And if you're not doing one, you're doing the other. It's a fully binary decision. There's no middle ground. There's no gray area. Here's the... Here's the message this morning. We believe that our eternal destiny hinges on our response to Jesus. We believe that there is a heaven where the presence of God, even in Revelation it says there won't be any night because the presence of God will be our light. Well, there's a place where we are just in the presence of God. There is also a place where the presence of God is not there. Every single person that you meet, every single person that you talk to, is making the same decision that you are. They have to choose. Now, again, I believe and a God who is powerful enough and strong enough to snap his fingers and we're all here. I also believe that God has given us a choice. That it is up to us. God doesn't want an army of robots praising him in heaven. God seeks relationship with you, with me, and with everyone we meet. And out of that relationship, out of that love, we go to heaven and we praise his name. Here's what I want you to think about this week. It's uncomfortable to think about people who may end up here. Is there anyone that you know that you need to tell, that you need to share with, that you need to plant some seeds with, that you need to share life with. That you need to share the difference that Jesus has made in your own life with. Again, this, is not a, this, isn't a, this isn't meant to be like a scare tactic. We're talking about what we believe. And this is what we believe. This is truth. Even when it feels wrong, even when it feels like it shouldn't be, this is truth. This is the truth we read in our scriptures. This is the truth that has been revealed to us in Jesus and his ministry and God through his word. How can we, as individuals and as a church, share the light of Jesus? How can we spread the gospel of Jesus? <clears throat> so that when we get to heaven, we won't be wondering, where's that, where's, where's that person? Where's this person? I should have shared. 
Now when we get there, there will be no regret and no sin and all that, so there probably won't be a thought, but I, I just want you to think about that. Who can you share with now? Who can you share with in your life? Who can you be a light to? Who can you share life with this week? If this is a reality, if this is truth, and if all the stuff we've talked about over the last eight weeks is truth, our lives need to look different. So, starting next week, we're going to begin a new series. It might be called the same thing. <laughs> I don't know. We're going to start a new series, and we're going to talk about if what we've talked about over the last two months is true. What are some practices that we need to be involved in? What are some practices that we need to take up? And again, not, I, I fully believe this. We can be restored to God only through faith in Jesus Christ. This is, not a, this is not a work salvation series. This is not how you can be in a better, this is not how you can be in better standing with God series. This is as someone who believes all of these truths that we've talked about over the last two months, how do our lives look different? Right? There's going to be kind of three parts to this series. This, this part was, what do we believe? Second part, if that is true, what do we do? Third part will come later this year. Well, let's pray.